It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. England and Ukraine will join Switzerland, Spain, Belgium, Italy, the Czech Republic and Denmark in the quarterfinals of Euro 2020. An amazing round of 16 is over and we're going to get straight into a huge discussion on it. Let's get started. But it has a gnaw intention. And here is Harry Kane for England. And there's Jack Grealish. And here's Luke Shaw. And there for England is number 10 again, Raheem Sterling. Everyone, welcome to the final matchday edition of the Gagan Pod Euros for the round of 16. And boy, have we been treated to some incredible football. A little bit different today, tight and tense as England finally got one over Germany at Wembley. And then Ukraine with the, one of the final kicks of the game, edging out Sweden. What a contest, what a day it was. I'm joined, David Wiener, once again by an all-star cast. Nick Sol, Thomas Sorensen, Luke Wuxi with me. Nick, we'll start with you because you're fresh. Feel you've good. you've been good. in for the 5 a.m. game on deadline. Let's but substitutions. Yeah. That's right. I'm, I'm coming on 115th minute. <laughs> you into the box. are carrying us today because we've been through some football. What have you made of the final day of the round of 16? Oh, well, it was uh, an incredible day. A day of uh, redemption, let's say. A day of redemption for Southgate. A day of redemption for Sterling as well. You know, he was heavily criticised. Harry Kane as well. Um, you know, in Ukraine, of course, uh, Shevchenko. He's leading the Ukraine to a historic quarterfinal. So, uh, another great day in what has been a great tournament. England 2, Tom. Germany 0. We can't underestimate what a huge occasion it is. Bridgie, I guess for us here, has been a little bit of a glimpse to what it means. Of course, doesn't want to get carried away, but he just says getting one over Germany finally just means so much. It's a massive day for English football today. It is. Um, it's, it's massive for obviously the tournament as well. I think you know with the semi-final and final being in, in England as well, if they can get there. Um, but I thought overall, really good performance. Started off, uh, you know, obviously set a little bit defensive with the way they, they were setting up, but efficient both ends of the field. And that, that was the difference because Germany were in it. Uh, you know, Germany probably had the better opportunities, actually played quite well, but didn't take it. And England did, um, defended really well. Pickford played solid, yep. had a couple of good saves. Um, and then, you know, obviously Sterling popping up and then Kane finally <laughs> getting his goal. I thought it was uh, an impressive performance uh, in those aspects. It's becoming the Euros of Raheem Sterling. Three match-winning goals, or I mean a 2-0 today in the end, but a phenomenal performance by him, vindicating the faith shown by Gareth Southgate. Yeah, 100%. I think he's he's been the highlight for, for England. You know, three goals out of the four. Um you know, there was a lot of doubt going into it and questions over Southgate. Obviously, he obviously backs Sterling a lot. Um, and why San, the likes of Sancho and Rashford aren't playing. And But, you know, he's, he's come up the goods. And, you know, Gates, the one who, who, who looks like he's, he's made the masterstroke by sticking by him and, and Raheem's repaying him with goals. It's fair to say that the press over in the UK will be absolutely giddy over this result. And we're going to hear now from the athletic in the UK's Dominic Fifield. He was talk, he's talked to us about the game a little bit earlier today. He had this to say about Raheem Sterling and the mood over in England. Suddenly England do look like contenders to win this tournament. 
Uh, and that's said by somebody who's been scarred too many times over the years and uh, covering the national team in major finals. The, the din inside Wembley this, uh, this evening, um, both when the, the goals went in, when Jordan Pickford was plucking saves out of the ether, um, the final whistle oh, was just so restorative after everything that everybody's been through over the last 16, 17 months. This felt like football starting up again in this country. This is fast becoming Raheem Sterling's tournament. This is his stage. He's waited so long for this. I think it's 15 goals in his last 20 England appearances now. And he, I think he scored twice in his first 47. I mean, he's, he's prolific. He carries a threat. He runs at players and terrifies his markers. And when you consider that he can be, he have a supply line of, of Grealish and Foden and Saka and Mount still to come into this team, the, the possibilities suddenly feel endless. And you, you can talk about conservative tactics from Southgate, but but he's making key changes at key times. And for once, I don't think his substitutions could be criticised against Germany. He timed that perfectly. And, and as I say, England ran out convincing winners in the end. Now, Nick, Raheem Sterling is an interesting character, but coming into the tournament, there were many that said he probably didn't deserve his place in the 11 based on his club form. It's a really fitting star for Gareth Southgate because he's been so um, true to himself, and part of that was keeping faith with Raheem Sterling, with Harry Kane, and in the end... It's the proof is in the pudding with what's happened over the tournament climaxing here against Germany. Absolutely, and we we talked about it yesterday with Luis Enrique and Morata and the importance of faith in in players, both for the individual itself, but also for the team, because everyone kind of feels that faith it spreads across. So uh, it's incredible for Raheem Sterling. It's interesting what's going to happen now uh, with Manchester City because Sterling was on the bench. You know, there was talk of him getting sold. There was talk of Drac. Jack Grealish coming in to replace him. Now, you know, does Pep Guardiola and Manchester City look at this and go, well, what what are we getting if we get rid of Sterling to bring in Grealish? So it's having implications not only in this tournament, but in the season ahead. Man, uh, man management, a faith in your players is everything. And uh, Sterling goes 10 foot tall when he plays for Gareth Southgate. Yeah, and you can just see him, uh, you know, the belief and, and also the relief uh, when he scored the first goal in the, in the game and, and now how he's grown into the tournament. Um, but you got to give Southgate credit, uh, Grealish mm. made the big difference coming on. I think he just opened things up a bit, a little bit more creativity that wasn't there in, in maybe the first half and uh, that changed the game because, uh, you know, his, you know, passes, his delivery for Kane... Uh, yeah, what's the difference in this game? What do we make of Southgate's game plan then? I know we've spoken a few times through the gag and pod, through the tournament about the teams that express themselves, the teams that don't. You call it tournament winning football, I suppose. But the first 60 minutes wasn't pretty. But in the end, do you think Luke, that he played it to perfection and that as well, we talk about vindicating himself with Sterling. He didn't start Grealish. He didn't start Mount. He didn't start Foden. Players that the whole public were banging down the door on but he knew he was going to bring Grealish on to unlock the game and it worked a treat. He did. And, and those who know Gate, he's a conservative guy. And I think he's, he's managing in that way and the way he sets the team up. They're pretty conservative, especially to begin with, um, with what he's got, the arsenal that he's got at his disposal. Um, but in saying that, when you're wearing teams down like they do, and then you can bring in those players fresh, that can really cause a dif- make the difference and cause damage. And you, you see that, and they're doing it time and time again. You know, Grealish coming on and the impact that he had, in, he had, you know, in both goals um, that they scored today, 
you know, look, you got to give credit to Gate. He's 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 got a plan, and it's and it's going perfectly for him at the moment. He said afterwards that if with the team I picked and the formation change, if we lost, I was dead. <laughs> it was, he re- but that's how brave and gutsy and true to himself that he is, Nick, because he knew what the stakes were. The change of formation when everyone was clamoring for him to stay with a four, but it outpointed Germany in the end. Yeah, and you know, you look back and you think he was twenty five years old when he misses that penalty. Uh, for England against Germany at Wembley in Euro 96, 25 years later. You know, the pressure's still there. He's still thinking about it. He said post-match that he saw David Seaman, who was his teammate at the time, and he still feels bad that for his teammates at the time. But now he feels good because he's delivered some happiness for the nation and they've kindly they've finally gotten over this hurdle that is Germany. So that's an incredible storyline and it shows an incredible mental strength as well not to buckle under the pressure because of your history as well. So it's it's incredible for a guy who also was only the interim manager in 2016, mm. only replaced Sam Allardyce because of that, you know, I don't know, scandal Fiasco. whatever. Yeah, that yeah. happened with the, the wine glass and the – anyway. But, but it, it's an incredible turnaround for a guy who was only an interim coach to now be, you know, taking them to possibly successive semifinals in tournaments. So you get a, does he get the credit where credit's due, Thomas, or has he still got a few more games to go before that's he gets the full praise? Yeah, and I, you know, I think you know history is written by the victors, uh, <laughs> and and you know it was a game of time margins because you know it wasn't a, a thrashing of Germany. Um, like I said earlier, it was the you know the sharpness. I think uh, the final ball because Muller will be kidding himself because he had the probably the best chance of the game. You know, um, they had their chances, free kicks just outside the box. And and the that was flattering, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. um, you know. And again, you know, I, I, I criticized a little bit how they set up. You know, they were having six, seven defenders, defenders players. You know, hold, two holding midfielders, and really only three players up front. Mm. Um, but again, it's it's tournament winning football. They're very sound defensively. Now they kept four clean sheets. You know, if they keep that, you know, they can win. Definitely win this tournament. But from a defensive point of view, Luke, I mean, the back three with Harry Maguire, was star of the match, man of the match, he was immense, including the, the both win-backs. you got to say, even though Germany actually looked pretty good in the first half, England, with Jordan Pickford in the form he's in, they don't really look like conceding. They don't. And, you know, when you talk about that tournament football, and it's the same if you go into a, into a league and they say the team that concedes the least amount of goals is generally going to win the league so and like I say Gate being a former defender and conservative in that way that's his approach to the game he knows he's got players who can go and win games for him so he knows if we can keep it tight at the back we can keep a clean sheet we're going to get goals at some point we're going to get goals in games so what about Germany because Jordan Pickford made two really big saves either side of half time a one-on-one against him Werner, Kai Havertz belted a, a really sharp shot that he'd tip over the bar and I thought in the first half, Germany looked the more likely, the more cohesive team, but in the end, they were not, and the Yogi Lowe era ends. Um, what did we make of their campaign? They joined the three giants of Group F who bow out at the round of 16. Um, you feel like with Germany that they were not as calamitous as maybe people expected before the tournament, but a squad of that pape, of that calibre probably still has more to give, and it's time for a, a, you know the new era to begin. Yeah, no, I think, you know, fresh thoughts, um, you know, a different look on things. Uh, Joachim Löw has been there, has obviously had very huge success in the past, but I think the right time, uh, Hansi Flick coming in, um, you know, new ideas, great success at Bayern. So, and a lot of players will know him. They've mm. still got huge amount of talent. We saw them today, obviously, Havertz, uh, Werner, you know, a lot of young players and, and some of the, the older ones, Neuer, Kimmich, uh, will still be there. 
Um, so, so they got plenty to build on, uh, and I think in, in you know largely they they were pretty good. Hungary wasn't impressive, but you know they beat Portugal four two. You know they sh- probably should have beaten France in the first game. But they were definitely dominant. Um, so you know a lot of positives, but today it wasn't mm. good enough. What were the positives? Was was Kai Havertz their best player today? Do you think is that a, is that a shining light? What are, what are the fans going to take out of the tournament? Yeah, I think Havertz was good. Um, you know, Kimmich is, as always is is a good performer for them. Um, again, it, it comes down to fine margins and, and moments in games, and it just didn't happen for him today. You know, you you look at it, and even one nil down, that that Muller chance on another day. You know, he wouldn't want anyone else other than Muller having that opportunity, and and it's gone wide. And you know that that those little margins can make be the difference between success and failure. And you know all these questions that get asked about the team and the performance. Hey, I think Yogilo will be remembered. It's a weird one because he's a World Cup winner, immense success, pushed them on from Jurgen Klinsmann to incredible heights, semi finalists regularly, and then you almost just felt like that was the time to go, and they've been just paddling for a few years since. Is how do you balance out those two factors in his legacy? Yeah, I think. Initially, that's what we're going to be remembered for, that he maybe stayed too long, that Hansi Flick should have taken over earlier. And and Hansi Flick did turn around Bayern, so if you can do the same with Germany, they're going to be very good, probably in the next World Cup or tournament after. But I guess, you know, once you put a star on the jersey, everyone remembers that. You know, Del Bosque was a very similar thing with Spain. You know, the 2014, they were a disaster at the Brazil. But what do people remember? He put a star on the shirt. So if you do that, that's how you're always going to be remembered. Yeah, good shout. So it was interesting to see what happens with him there. John Aloisi um, in Jake Rosengarten's article looking at German's uh, Lowe's legacy says he'd be a great shout for Tottenham. So we'll see where he ends up because he wants to go back into club football. So we see where he goes. Final word on England because uh, now they're going to be, they're going to have high hopes because they're going to have to play the Ukraine. But you mentioned Thomas Muller's chance straight after that. Something very important happened. That was Harry Kane scoring. He doesn't look himself... But how big a deal is this goal for his confidence and by the end of that, the team's confidence knowing that their talisman has got that monkey off his back? No, but you could see the celebrations after the goal. You know, you could see his relief and uh, the team knows how much, how important it is. You know, they, they need him in this tournament as a leader and as a goal scorer and, and to get him off the, the, the mark, it's hugely important because Sterling can't keep lifting, mm. you know, and... You know, I think, you know, going forward now, I think you'll probably see a different game. Big call, big call keeping him on as well. But also, what is missing with him? What doesn't look right? It's, it's hard to say. And, and there's been a lot of comments and obviously a, a lot of speculation around it and his, his performances and obviously the lack of goals. But I, I agree with Thomas there. The relief and the celebrations after that went in, and I think not just for him, but for the whole squad in general, or the whole country probably of England. Um, and I think we're going to see a different Harry Kane going forward in this tournament. Very interesting to see what happens. Final word. Well, we know they've got Ukraine coming up. It is the, in inverted commas, softer side of the draw, but that's a very loose thing to say because we know how competitive the Euros is. Dom Fifield buzzing over in the UK had this to say about how far can they go. Can they go all the way? Well, look, it's impossible not to look at that draw and think, well, there's an opportunity here that we can't pass up. Um whoever awaits in in Rome, it'll be a test. We know that. It'll be a challenge. It'll be awkward. It'll be difficult. Whoever would await in the semi-final, whether that be Denmark, who are resurgent, playing for Christian Eriksen, or the Czech Republic, who who have been quietly impressive throughout this tournament uh, and carry a goal threat through Schick, um, that would be a challenge in the semi-final as well. Whoever awaits from the other side of the draw in the final would be a major, major challenge. But suddenly there's a lot of promise and suddenly there's a lot of hope 
that'll bring its own pressure. The expectation will will ramp up again after a victory like tonight. But uh, if they focus game at a time, concentrate on Rome on Saturday, and whoever they awaits them there, um, and take it take it steadily, retain that focus. They've got a wonderful opportunity to go all the way here. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, so Ukraine next. We'll touch on that game in a second, but what is what is now the, the, the path for England? Anything less than the final disappointment? I think so. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the expectation now. We, you know, with the greatest respect to, you know, the Ukraine and, and Czech Republic or Denmark, you know, everyone would be looking at this and saying England is going to go to the final. In fact, we know that one um, betting company even was paying out bets on England <laughs> being champions yesterday, which I thought was a bit premature. I still think they, even if they get to the final, there's going to be big question marks around it. But yeah, I would say now the expectation is final or bust. That's a loaded question to you, Thomas, given that you hope they will not be making the final, <laughs> but what do you reckon? No, I think again, you know, now it was a 50-50 game against Germany, you know, a lot of doubt. Now the pressure is solely on them. They, they need to create, they need to dominate and people will expect them to comfortably progress even though, you know, it's not going to be easy against Ukraine, potentially Czech or Denmark in the semi-final, you know, where they'll play yeah. semi-final and potentially the final at home uh, with predominantly English fans we, we would expect. Um, so everything... Um, you know, is is lined up for them. Just have this game in Rome, uh, and then they're back home again. So, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll you know, I think anything by the final is is failure. Uh, the stars have aligned, and it's coming home, as they'll all say. But um, <laughs> you know, that's it's a dangerous thing, especially yeah. in football, especially when you overcome a big hurdle like Germany, um, which they have done, and in in good fashion, they'll say that you you can't let that get ahead of you, and and it can be a dangerous thing, and especially in and it's hard because. And they'll, they'll be sure and Gate will be on to them about not getting ahead of themselves and it doesn't matter who it is and keeping our level and our standards. But when all this commotion that's going to be going on around them, it's easy to just have that. And if you drop your game at the international level and you're coming up against these teams, they've got nothing to lose. Mm. It's a dangerous game. Well, Ukraine do have nothing to lose. They have edged past Sweden 2-1. It was a good game. People had low expectations for this game, but there's no reason not to because it was a really competitive outing. We looked like we were headed for penalties. Uh, Alexander Sintinko opened the scoring. Emil Forsberg, of course, who else with his fourth goal of the tournament for Sweden before uh, Dovbiak's 121st minute header off Zinchenko's cross. You were covering this game for us on the Optusport app. Nick, what did you make of it? What It was a great drama once again. It doesn't fail to deliver this tournament. Yeah, I mean, it, it was that game where... Everyone's expecting penalties. Everyone's writing their list. Okay, who's going to take the first one? You know, and then for Zinchenko to hit his best cross of the game, and Dovbik, he's played fifty-one minutes of international football. You know, he it, it was a surprise selection in the squad. He's thrown on in the hundred and tenth minute or something to to get in there. You're not expecting much for him. For him to score his first ever international goal, and this isn't a guy who's been killing it at club level. I think he scored like 35 goals in his career in about 150 games. So, you know, he, he's not uh, this incredible striker. Oh, yeah, guarantee a goal. 
what a scene, you know, everyone going crazy uh, for Shevchenko, you mm. know, a really wonderful moment. He, of course, went to a World Cup quarterfinals um, with the Ukraine as a player. You know, he scored so many goals. So it was a really wonderful moment of the Ukraine. And, you know, Sweden will look at that and think, you know, what could have been Forsberg hitting the post, mm. hitting the crossbar, the red card in the in extra time, how that changed the game. And I think maybe Sweden will look at it and go, we should have ta- taken more of our chances when we had the 11 v 11. The red card did change the game. And if you haven't seen it, it's on the OptiSport app. Um, the question here, it clearly catches him very, very high on the, you could say, toward the knee, upper part of the shin. Um, but as you, you, you know, it's not malicious. It's going for the ball. Didn't look great, but you didn't like the red card, Thomas. No, I think it just goes away from what the game is all about. The game is it's a, it's a physical sport. You know, we're trying to protect players and, and I, I love that. Um, but it also can't detract from actually you doing the job. And he did his job. He, he, he went down, he, he cleared the ball. And then as, as sort of an end action of that, is he's got a, his leg after he, he obviously clears the ball, has it outstretched. And, and the Swedish player runs straight, oh, sorry, the Ukrainian player runs straight into that action. And, you know, but that's where you know, the game has moved to. Um, I don't agree with it because, you know, it, you know, you can get injured and, and it wasn't malicious. It wasn't dangerously, you know, it wasn't trying to endanger a player deliberately. And, and you know, I think it's just moving down a path where we, we're moving away from any sort of contact. Mm-hmm. We'll end up with, with basketball at the end where we can't touch anyone. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I've, uh, you know, we've all been injured and that's yeah. just part of the, that's part of it. It's look, it's a it's it's a hard one, I, and I feel for Danielson and and for Sweden. He definitely there was no malicious in it. He did not mean it. He went for the ball. He got the ball. Um, it's one of those. It's unfortunate that he caught him um, the way it comes. If he doesn't have his leg planted and mm. catch him in that way, then then it is just a yellow. But just the the danger, and obviously he went off injured as well. Um, and I reckon you won't see him for several months. Uh, so it's it's a tough one. But but I think. I'd have to say the referee got it right because of the way it looked. When he when he looks that back on yeah. Yeah. on VAR, then then the way it looks, then then there's no doubt. And look, it's a harsh call, but that's just the way it is at the moment. I think this is this interesting balance that we see with VAR is that the replay and the slow yeah, motion. Once you look getting, at it, yeah. Once like, the reaction in the office was, oh, whoa, this is good. like it looks horrible. But yep. you're right in that he does win the ball. There is no intent. So I don't know if the rules. His eyes are on the ball too. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, if, if you if you see that. From the referee's perspective and why he gave him the yellow, because watching it as normally you would do, mm. that, look, he's challenged for the ball. He's got the ball, but he's caught him, okay? It's a yellow card. But when you look back on it in slow motion, yeah, it's, yeah, it doesn't look good. Yeah, The moment you go to the screen, you knew he was going off. You yeah, knew, yeah, you knew yeah, he was going yeah. off. Yeah, any slow motion, yeah. I think. Yeah, it just yeah and, and that's it. I just, it. I just wonder how it will change the, the game. We've seen, I think, in the Premier League, there was a, a clearance uh, that a player did, and then when he was clearing the ball, his foot ended up catching another player as well. So I, I don't know if they need to adjust the rules because we now have video yeah, referee. No, I think they do. In, in a number of instances, probably, actually, VAR's probably changed the way we need to look at yeah. a few few rules going forward. Yeah, but I think it's just a general thing. You know, we, we, it is a, a contact sport. There is a chance of injury. And, and uh, I think when it steps over, when people are actually doing the right thing, doing their job, and then still getting punished with no ma- malicious intent, um, you know, sometimes unfortunate things happen. You know, I've 
we've all and it, and it changed your game. And, and it the did thing change is, the game. That, cha- that changed your game. You so know, that so it's, it's a grey area yeah. for sure. And Marcus Danielson's red card, if, ironically, came just after Sweden looked like they were going to try and go for it, and in the end, the stage was set for them to do what they do best, and they defended almost all the way to penalties until that clinching goal. Where Ukraine, you spoke about Sweden regretting their chances when they hit the cro- when they hit the post and so on. Ukraine would have regretted if it did go to penalties and they had lost. They seized their moment. I want to touch on Shevchenko to conclude this game. You know, he is an, he's a football icon. He is, he is Ukrainian football when you think about it. He's synonymous with it. I, to the point, I've seen some pictures during the week of him. He still trains with the players. He gets amongst it. He scored in this exact same fixture at the Euros that they played in, in their home in Kiev. Um, he's done great things with this side, guys. And Zinchenko, even today, is a nice little example of it where he's played central for the whole tournament. He moved him out wide, goal and assist. He's done some great things with this side and they will be a plucky opponent for England. For sure. And I think he, he's maximised the potential. They got individual quality. We, we saw Chinchenko today. Malinovsky hasn't quite fired. He, he came into the tournament as one of the, their star players and, and has done really well at Atalanta. But, you know, their form wasn't great. They, they had some horrible results uh, at times, uh, a bit up and down. But I think now... Having not played fantastically in the group stage, you know, he, he, he gets the best out of it tactically. They're well set up. And then they maximized it. He threw on the right players at the right time when he needed that, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of punch in the box. Uh, took Yamalenko off. He might have been injured, but, you know, you would have thought he, he would have taken the penalties. But he said, no, nah, I need a fresh player and I'm going for the win. And, and he got rewarded. So fair play to him. Any threat to England? Oh, listening to a few others there, the English, they're saying no. Um, <laughs> but look, I, I just think they are. You talk about individual quality, they do. Zinchenko obviously knows yep. well and truly about English football and a lot of the players. Yaromenko, that we touch on there, obviously it's going to take its toll to 120 minutes out of the team. But that mental side of it and getting through, um, and Yaromenko's one for me, has that, that ability to cause a problem uh, with that individual quality. So... You know, I'm not just going to write them off. Not going to write anyone off at this stage, especially not from what we've seen in this tournament so far. Yeah, and I also would say that England, we've seen them struggle against more defensive sides. They did struggle against Scotland, who kind of really made it difficult for England to break down. We haven't seen England so much take go on the front foot mm. and, and break a team that's sitting deep down. I think that's what Ukraine is going to do. And I think we will see... I still think we'll see England win, but I think it will be a 1-0 or a 2. We won't see them no, blow them off the park. Absolutely not. And the interesting thing there will be um, that while Southgate stuck to his guns and did what he did today, a game like Ukraine, you might see him change horses for courses and bring a more creative player in a mount back in or, or even, dare I say, agree, at least just to deal with that problem because Ukraine who've been pretty flexible not, not Sancho no you don't think uh, Gareth Southgate will bring on Sancho not, not, more, <laughs> more chance of Germany bringing on Sancho and they're not even in the tournament um, yeah they've been really tactically flexible and it wouldn't shock to see them bunker in and actually provide that different threat yeah and what an amazing story that they were only in the uh, round of 16 because it's of Sweden. Sweden Sweden beating Poland 3-2 in the last minute meant that they qualified they said pretty much Yamalenko said Thank you, Sweden, for letting us in. Well, what a way to thank them. Boom. Straight <laughs> out, we're going to the quarterfinals. Yeah, no mates in this game, yeah, mate. Exactly. <laughs> no, so, incredible. No room for sentiment. A final word, though, uh, on Sweden with Emil Forsberg, who uh, there'll have to be some pretty good performances over the next few rounds to knock him out of a team of the tournament. He was absolutely immense. For, yeah. for me, yeah, and, and that, that's probably disappointing not to see him play again because I think he's been phenomenal this tournament. He was the heart and soul of Sweden. Um, yeah, and it's it's disappointing not to see because the sort of form that he was showing in this tournament that we won't see him play again. Mm. Yeah, I'd be Leipzig. We've got a good one there who's been 
came through the ranks with them, uh, had a few injury problems. If he plays like he did now, he'll be getting plenty more minutes for them going forward. So we got a bit of a break, guys. We've got a couple of days to recharge the batteries. And we've talked about Ukraine against England, which will be on Sunday at 5 a.m. We begin Saturday morning, 2 a.m., Switzerland against Spain. Belgium against Italy is 5 a.m. Sunday, Czech Republic is in, against Denmark, followed by Ukraine and England. So what do we fancy if we ever have a quick look ahead? Uh, Nick, we'll start with Switzerland and Spain with you, where I look at all of these and go, you've got some more blockbuster matches than others, a few evenly poised. They are all really hard to pick when you come down to it, because even a game like Spain versus Switzerland, where there is a clear favourite, you know that Swiss are capable of pushing Spain all the way. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you think of someone like Brill and Bolo on the counter-attack against Spain who like to push their full-backs forward. There's going to be space in behind. We know Spain is going to dominate the ball. Mm. But Switzerland will sit deep, hit the counter. So it, there's always a chance. But I would say two games in a row they've scored five goals. Spain will have a lot of confidence. Morata will have a lot of confidence. So I think Spain will be going through yeah, it. And Granite Xhaka's absence a big blow because him and Froda were immense in the middle of the park. Yeah. And we know Spain will dominate in that area. Anyone see an upset there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> We've got to be careful. I remember yeah. what I said about France. I'm, I'm, so. I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I think Switzerland, you know, to to show what they showed against the French team, there's something there, yeah. and that, that that's something that you just can't write off. Yep. Seferovic up front, the the wing backs are immense. They've Shakiri can still cause danger. Spain have to be at their best. Yeah, and I think you know Seferovic will will be a handful. You know, he showed, and I think Laporte and. You know, there's just been a little bit of softness in there. You know, where they, you know, we saw it against Croatia. The, the cross is in the box, and and that's where Seferovic obviously, you know, really did his his work against uh, France. So, so they yeah, they'll get their chances, but you know, you would expect Spain to to get through this one. And they will not take a backward step. We know that. So Spain might have a lot of the ball, but I, I expect Switzerland to put a fair bit of pressure on them to make sure that they're at their very best. Belgium against Italy. This is tasty because you've got a team that's going to try play on the front foot. How do we expect? Belgium to come at this game? Will they let Italy have the ball on the front foot and then try hit them? Remembering, no Kevin De Bruyne, no Eden Hazard. That's that's a big miss. Um, that's a big blow, especially De Bruyne for me uh, out of that Belgium team. So, I think Italy will go into it as favourites, and I think um, you know they they need to capitalise on that moment because I think with De Bruyne and Hazard, Belgium are a different team. This is the golden generation for a reason. So they've got the depth. They've got Carrasco. They've got Mertens. They've got players that can come in but they're not the same match winning quality. To what extent does this bring them back to the pack? And um, is this a great, this is a great opportunity for Italy. I think it is. Um, I hope Mancini uh, gets Locatelli back in. I think Verratti, the experiment he, he, he had against Austria, didn't think it quite worked. I think the energy that both him and Locatelli and, and Barella brings in that middle of, of midfield has made the difference in this tournament. And, uh, you know they, uh, yeah, they just look to have have the spark. Uh, and Belgium, yeah, they you know they haven't been convincing for me. And but when you got Lukaku up front, yep. um, you know if they can get the service into them, you know he he can be a handful to to those two centre halves. Um, so yeah, you know I presume Kalini will potentially be back. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who so will not fear Lukaku by the way because they play against him week in week yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So so that I think that's a strength as well, uh, an added strength to to the Italian back line. Uh, so, yeah, I, I fancy Italy in this one. Spark's an interesting word you use because uh, we know that Italy have had it. They obviously got really tested in the round of 16 and then showed that extra bit of character as well. But Belgium, they've had Spark on an individual level. De Bruyne has sparked things up when he's had to. But I feel like uh, they, they've they always got just done enough. 
They haven't actually gone and shown us that collective sparkle. Do you think they've got that in them still? It's, it's not tournament football like England where England look like they're in control. Belgium have just done enough. Do you think they can do enough here against Italy? Yeah, it, it's interesting because you look at anything. This is the biggest test for both teams because even with Italy, you know, they, they had a really smooth group stage. Uh, you know, Austria did go to extra time, but they still look like they're in control. I don't think Belgium probably has done enough, especially without the individual quality of De Bruyne and Hazard, who can always spark something, um, who I think Italy really would have feared and maybe would have had to even shift and maybe play an extra defensive midfielder, which they don't like to do. They like to play with the one single pivot. So... I think Italy do go into this as favourites, but as we've seen, anything can happen in tournament football, and you know, I you know, a surprise could happen. But I'm just thinking, what a great day for the Australian football public. You know, it's a Saturday, so you can you can cancel the rest of your weekend plans, <laughs> stay up all night, watch these games, go over to your friend's house, have people over. Well, no, unless you're in Sydney, if you're in Melbourne, if well, you yeah, can. No, I was referring to Melbourne. <laughs> you know, all the non-lockdown places you can enjoy, or just you know, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy with the family. Enjoy the I'm family, glad you exactly. said all the lo- all the non-lockdown. <laughs> There's not many places. <laughs> No, it's going to be a great night. And then you can do it all again the next night. That was a sad slip to what the world used to be like, Nick. You're 100% right. You're going to add? You know, again, I think like we saw this morning, it it comes down to two evenly matched teams with, you know, who takes the chances, who has the sharpness, both ends of the field. If Lukaku is unplayable, I think Belgium has a fantastic chance. If he's not, we need it. Like Immobile, he was a little bit misfiring against Austria. You know he needs to step up on on, on this uh, at this uh, stage. It's uh, the Locatelli Verratti one is interesting because I'd love to see Italy come out and play with the high intensity that they did in the first three games, and I do wonder that'll force Belgium to go with them, which maybe Verratti, who's a phenomenal player, but they they just didn't have the same fluency in the round of sixteen. So we will see. Oh, I can't get to use this now. Rightio, then give us an answer. One word. Well, you haven't heard that before. Do it again. <laughs> right, EO, then give us an answer. Just thank God he didn't say it's coming home. I would have, <laughs> I would have walked off. Belgium or Italy? Uh, Italy. 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 Italy for me too. Then we go into Sunday. Thomas, over to you. Czech Republic, Denmark. What happens? You know, it's, um, you know everything that's come out, and I, I agree with uh, what, what's come out in the Danish camp, is that they actually would have much preferred the Dutch because Dutch, I think, got individual quality that's better than the Czech but the Czech is uh, it's a collective they play with high intensity um, you know they, they really work hard they're physically strong on set plays and I don't think it really plays into the hands of, of, of Denmark uh, sort of when you look at it um, but you know the way they're riding at the moment uh, the confidence uh, the way they've been playing quality uh, yeah they've been playing really well so, so I'm, I'm you know reasonably confident but it's not going to be an easy game and uh, it's again it's going to be down to you know can Denmark finish the chances which they have in the last couple of games but that's been you know historically a weakness having a striker that you know could come up big in those moments so I think it will come down to that they call him this the softer side of the draw but that is not a fair word because these two teams have been outstanding at their best they have been and they've been great to watch and you, you look back to match day one and, and what the Danish have been through and to see where they are and what they're on the brink of and you know, you talk about that wave and that momentum that you start to build. It's it's massive, and the Czech are exactly the same. They're no different. The the momentum that they've they've built and the belief. Um, so this is going to be a cracking game. Um, but I'm look, Thomas, mate, I'm back in the Danish. I think they're going to get through this, and I think them against um, England awaits in the semi final. 
I'm also going to tip uh, Denmark. I, I, I've liked w- what they've done in this tournament. Um, I think they've created a lot of chances. Uh, I think they've been one of the most impressive teams, uh, you know, outside of the kind of the big, big team. So I think Denmark's going to do well. Yeah, I, I love what the Czech Republic did against the, the Netherlands. Not only did they cash in when the Netherlands collapsed. The Netherlands didn't turn up. They yeah, collapsed, they but, but the Czech Republic, they cashed in and they were they were worth they were worth it until the point that Dilik got sent off. So yep. uh, really interesting to see what happens there, but I do think the fairy tale is on. A final word on England Ukraine, which will wrap us up and take us into the semi-finals. We're all seeing an England win from what I can tell from our earlier discussion. What's the biggest thing they've got to be worried about? I think struggling to break down a deep defense. I, I we haven't really seen them do it so far this tournament. And I think, you know, the longer it goes on, the more the anxiety builds, the more the pressure starts to go then maybe are they picked off on the counter-attack? It could happen. Um, it's unlikely, but it could happen. I think, I think Luke touched it. I think complacency, you know, a little bit. Now they have to go to Rome. It's a little bit of change of scenery. Um, and then England sometimes have a tendency to play a bit too slow. Mm. You know, they move in a ball, you know, just, you know, not quick enough. And they have to, especially if Ukraine, you know, stand as far back as we expect. No, for me, I think, uh, yeah, the the complacency, I think the mental approach to the game um, will determine on how difficult they make it for themselves. There's no doubt in the the quality on paper. Uh, But, look, I think uh, they'll have enough to break them down, the Ukraine side, you know, when you've got the likes of Grealish to come on or whether he starts and you talk about Mount. Um, So, yeah, I've got England for this one. Yeah, I think definitely, but I think Ukraine will be an interesting and tasty opponent and they showed in midfield today that they can, uh, you know, they can compete and they got quality in in fits and starts. Guys, thanks so much for your time and enjoy a bit of rest. Not sleep. Bit of sleep. Not that football is work, but... Bring on the weekend, mate. Bring on the weekend. That's right. Time to catch up a little bit. We'll be rested for that. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Nick, Thomas, Luke, thanks so much for your time again today and all week on the Match Day editions of the Gagan Pod. To everyone out there, thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this throughout the Knockout Stage, throughout every day of the tournament. And until the next episode, there might not be that much football to watch, but whatever you do, enjoy your football. We'll speak to you on the weekend.